Welcome to the Engage and Athletic Podcast. This show is designed to engage you and develop you to your highest levels of output and impact. If you are yearning to get to your next level, this show is for you. This is Weekly PD for the high school coach and AD. Well, hello, and welcome to the Engage and Athletic Leadership Podcast, your PD for the high school coach and AD. And one of the reasons we call this show Engage in Athletic Leadership is because I'm a huge believer that as athletic leaders, whether you're a coach, whether you're an AD, uh, no matter where you are on the coaching spectrum, as far as your head coach, your sub varsity coach, your junior high coach, we are all athletic leaders. And as a result, we have a responsibility to be engaged. That means we're listening. That means we're uh, taking action and initiatives uh, to better ourselves and better those around us to lead at our highest levels. As far as being athletic, what that refers to is uh, athletes are agile, they're flexible, they're able to adapt in varying circumstances. You know, we train, we, we prepare. Um, all that goes into being athletic uh, just means we're, we're about this life, right? Like you, you don't just show up to a game, you're prepared for that game. You're flexible. Um, the game you may have prepared uh, in the heat, but the game may be played in the in the rain or the snow, right? You you may have prepared as a middle linebacker, but uh, your your outside linebacker went down. Now you're having to move uh, and play outside linebacker, right? Like we're we're as leaders that that has to be our level of dynamism and being able to go out and compete at the highest level to treat it like we're competing because we are competing. We're competing against ourselves. And so why am I saying all that? I'm saying all of this to say that when I look at athletic leadership, I think of three key areas where we must win. Okay. Number one, we must provide safety and supervision. Okay. That that's key. Kids are, we're, we're in locus parentis. Uh, the law sees us as we're the parents when they're with us. So we have responsibility to get them home. That's obvious. Next, we have a responsibility to hire the right coaches, uh, because I believe only through leadership, through getting the right leaders in the right spots can, uh, programs and people truly thrive. So that's number two. But what I want to talk about today is is the third most important thing I think every athletic leader has a right and a responsibility to do. And that's to create opportunities and prevent obstacles for those who they lead. Okay, so let's call it ops, not ops. All right. You have to create opportunity, those ops and prevent obstacles for those in which you lead. So today's podcast is all about how we do that. I want to give you three ways that you can create opportunities for your coaches or for your assistant coaches or assistant ADs. And I want to give you three ways that you can prevent obstacles, keep things out of their way so they can run smoothly. 
First, let me say this. So often I see in leaders, not just athletic leaders, but a variety of leaders that their number one, in their mind, their number one priority is to service themselves, is to be the BMOC, the big man or big woman on campus and prove to everybody who the pecking order goes through and the chain of command and to accomplish their whims and goals and, and so on and so forth. If that's you, you might want to turn this podcast off, okay? We have to approach this with a servant leadership mindset, okay? It, it, it Jesus was the great example, right? Um, you know, we have to approach this thing with, I am in the, a leadership position. That means I'm the chief servant among everyone. As the chief servant, I have to run out in front and block. I have to provide opportunities, holes for you to get through. I have to see upcoming obstacles and prevent them from getting to you as best I can. That way you can run with the ball and accomplish the goal. Okay. So that's the mindset with which we approach today's lesson. All right. So what are three things, three ways rather you can create opportunities. Okay. And these three ways are actually going to apply to both how we create opportunities as well as how we prevent obstacles. So let's go through them. Number one, I think one of the biggest ways you can create opportunities is to advocate. Advocate for your programs. Advocate for your coaches. Advocate for your kids. Advocate for finances. Advocate for more more butts and seats. Advocate for um, more participation, whatever it may be, advocate, advocate, advocate. Now you may be saying, oh yeah, I know that. That's pretty easy. That's what we all do, right? But what we often fail to understand, I want to talk about where I see some of us as athletic leaders, and and I'll even call out myself in some areas, um, get tripped up in that we know we need to advocate, but we haven't done the pre-work to advocation, which is um really making inroads and um really growing our not just impact but our connections with others okay and what does that mean so so i often see two types of scenarios you see the district with the athletic department that's the forgotten afterthought right they're behind maybe band or they're behind uh academics and they're forgotten about and nobody speaks up for them right like you better not um talk too much about academics because you're going to get your hand slapped and every i mean about athletics because you're going to get your hand slapped and everybody in that room is going to tell you oh athletics is not nearly as important as academics you still have to advocate. The other scenario I see is when athletics is at the top of the food chain. I mean, everything rises and falls on football and basketball and soccer and uh, wrestling and track and whatever, what, what have you. And as a result, those athletic leaders are too big to, 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 to operate with others, to connect with other um Departments, districts, um, other leaders, they they operate in a silo. If you're truly an advocate, 
first of all, let me say this to, to have a well-rounded program, to have a well-rounded education rather, it has to include athletics and academics and they're one in the same, they're co-curricular and, and not just athletics activities. I don't care what it is. You cannot hope to educate any student from eight to three, right? Because what's going on in that classroom, 90% of the time is not engaging them. It's just spoon fed. They have to do it, which is okay. There's a, there's a, there's a time and a place for that. But when we actually get that application part of the education, that experiential part of the education is when we go out and get to uh, do things uh, alongside and teach things as in real time. Uh, teach character, teach uh, perseverance, teach uh, different health habits, teach mastery skills, right? Develop uh, personal skills, develop sports specific skills, develop uh, activity related skills, whatever it is. Now we can truly educate, right? We can apply some of those things that we just taught in that pedantic um, pedagogical, I guess that's the word, uh, atmosphere of the classroom. So I'm getting long-winded on this point, but what I want you to know is that you have a responsibility to, to advocate for your program. And so what that means is you have to do the hard work as an athletic leader to reach across the aisle, to develop inroads. Uh, with You should know the director or, or the who's the leader of child nutrition. You should know who's in transportation. You should know every high school principal, assistant principal, you should know uh, tons and tons of teachers in the district. Like you should have inroads so that when you need to call on them, you can properly advocate. Okay. We think advocate is stand up and shout our opinion. We should have this. We need more money. How can I ever uh, get this if we don't have bus drivers? No, that's not proper advocation. Proper advocation is when you've done the pre-work to develop the relationships that allows you to say things where people can hear you clearly because they know you on a higher level. Okay. Rather than, Oh, I think that guy's got an agenda. He's always asking for something. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So number one, you have to advocate. Number two, the second way that you can create opportunities for those in which you lead is to adjust or in other words, be adjustable, be, be flexible, have that mindset. And I'll tell on myself a little bit here because we're opening a brand new uh, arena and football field and our field will not be ready. The field and press box will be ready, but our concessions, our bathrooms, our power, all of this, these things you need to operate a football game will not be ready. However, this is a facility. It looks beautiful. Almost everything on the outside is completed and our, our, Stakeholders have, have, you know, paid $32 million of their hard-earned money to uh, enable this to come to fruition. And so if it takes us having to be a little inconvenienced for the first couple games or first year or whatever it is, then we need to do it, right? But mindset, my mindset was, oh, we have another football field that we can use. And that's easier. That's going to be easier. And that's what we've always done. Right. And so a lot of times I don't care what it is for you. Maybe they're asking you to bring 
to, to bring more fundraising to the table. Maybe they're asking you to um, think about how you can figure out the transportation issues that we're facing. Uh, maybe it's parents coming to you with a new sport offering, or maybe it's a coach that, that's wanting to add more coaches to the staff. Be adjustable, okay? At least mentally, don't be closed down because this is going to allow you to be open to opportunities. And as we all know, there's nothing in this world, there's nothing in this life, there's nothing that's ever been that has been created without conscious aforethought, without somebody thinking about it first, okay? So if you can control your mind and allow for openness, now it's way more likely that that thing can be accomplished, that opportunity, okay? So advocate, adjust, and the third thing I want you to do in order to create more opportunity for your coaches, for your district, and for your stakeholders is activate. And in this particular scenario, when I say activate, I mean you have to be able to activate those in which you lead when they're struggling. When you see they've hit a wall, when you see that maybe they're not operating at their highest levels, you have to be able to do whatever it takes to activate them. Now, now let's get more specific. For me, one way I do this is we have pre-season program, what I call program plan meetings. We have um, um, during season uh, check-in. And then we have obviously the uh, off-season evaluation, okay? I use these as three opportunities to really have hard conversations with my coaches and ask them ways in which they can get better. Not only do I ask them, but we hold them accountable to what they said the last time we met. What this allows me to do is obviously every meeting, I mean, 90% of your meetings aren't contentious at all. They're great. They're just, hey, coach, you're doing a great job. Keep doing it. We love having you, you know, see you tomorrow. But every once in a while, you have that coach that's struggling. I've seen state championship coaches go three years without making the playoffs. I've seen coaches that were kid magnets that are, you know, there's been so much attrition in their program that they can barely put sub varsity teams together. I've seen coaches that, you know, had so much fanfare uh, previously that all of a sudden it's like every parent and stakeholder, including the local newspaper is calling for their termination. OK, so when these situations happen, if you've never had those hard conversations, it's hard to just activate that side and really be able to maybe um, say something or implement something that's going to potentially help the coach. You're going to be sitting there just as helpless as coach like coach. I don't know, man, you you used to be good, man. I, you, I remember when you won state 10 years ago, like, I don't know, they tripping. You know, you, we're just sitting there like a stump on a log. And so we have to be able to advocate. If you're a coach, you have to be able to activate uh, your, your, your assistant coaches, your student athletes. You have to be able to get them out of a funk, okay? That's going to be a way to create opportunity that previously was not there, Okay. So advocate, adjust, and activate. That's three ways we can create opportunities for our programs. What are three ways we can prevent obstacles? Because it's just important. You have to have good offense and defense. I'm personally an offensive guy, uh, but I've always 
had the ability to play defense because if you're scoring 100 and giving up 101, it doesn't matter. And so we have to recognize the importance. Well, guess what? We're going to use the same three um, initiatives to get this done. We're going to advocate, we're going to adjust, and we're going to activate in order to prevent obstacles. What does that look like? Um, when you advocate to prevent on the defensive side of things, to prevent obstacles, think about maybe advocating to parents. You know, I think of offensive or opportunity advocation as advocating to administrators, advocating to, you know, whoever it may be that can allow you to get more, to, to, to get more resources, that is. But sometimes you have to advocate to protect coaches and kids and programs. Often people, meaning outside stakeholders, external stakeholders, get a, a, a negative interpretation or an incorrect interpretation of a particular person or program. And it's your job to go and advocate because you you're there, right? You're you're there more often than what they are. You've seen this coach in the trenches. You know what he's saying in the locker room. Um, you know most of the time. You know um, the sacrifices this coach or this kid or this program has made. Uh, we had that same issue uh, scenario rather a couple of years ago, and our baseball program was really struggling. But I knew coach was. Uh, holding daily 630 practices. And and I knew that he was in the hallways and, and getting kids. Um, he had recruited a bunch of football players and had added four or five players to his team, including growing the, the junior high. And coach was doing a great job. He was working it. You know, I knew how hard they were practicing and how much focus they were bringing to every single meeting. But it just wasn't manifesting in wins. And so I had to do the job of actually going before the school board and advocating for them. And whether it's at that level or just on an individual basis with a in a one on one conversation, you have to be willing. And, and, and again, like we talked about on the opportunity side, advocation is about preparing yourself in advance to advocate. We look dumb if we're trying to advocate, but we not in a we're not in a position to do so. Meaning we don't know the facts or we haven't created those relationships that allow us to really speak to the situation and engender somebody's trust. Okay. So in the same way, when you're advocating to protect, you have to be, you have to have relationships. Number one. Number two, you have to know, you have to be prepared and know what you're talking about. So you need to be do your due diligence and be around that situation more often or have resources that are going to inform you um, correctly on that situation. So I hope that makes sense. Now, how do we adjust? How do we use the uh, our, our ability to adjust in order to prevent obstacles? Um, I'm going to tell you, look at your locations, your time and access. Okay. Look at how maybe you can restrict some things within your program to maybe sometimes keep uh, coaches or leaders. It may be students from making mistakes from, from things that maybe they're not ready to handle. I'll give you one example. We, um, when I first got to my current school district, I adjusted, um, a policy they had or really just a procedure that allowed 
teams to travel and do overnight trips. Uh, we were getting all types of just uh, student behavioral issues, coach issues, parent issues. So we suspended that, right? Well, fast forward two years, you have now uh, established your culture. Uh, the coaches are now comfortable and know what to do. The kids are comfortable and know what to do. Well, this summer we started back doing overnight trips, you know, if they attended a camp or uh, a tournament or what have you. And it was with great success. And, and we didn't have one issue. As a matter of fact, we were so proud of the way our teams handled themselves on the road, um, cleaning up after themselves. You know, we're getting all types of uh, contact from vendors saying your kids uh, are so great. You know, the way they cleaned up this hotel room was better than, you know, when they came and, and et cetera, et cetera. Not only that, they performed at a higher high level. I mean, we had several of our Palm girls make all American. We had several, I think we finished third in one of the larger seven on seven tournaments um, in the Midwest region and so on and so forth. So they, they understood that, you know, this is a business trip, right? So that told me that <clears throat> that adjustment kept us from ourselves, right? Because they didn't, and see what I'm saying is before it was like, a privilege thing. They were entitled. They got to stay overnight. And so they took advantage of it. But when I, as the athletic leader, made the tough decision to make a hard adjustment, okay, a lot of times on the offensive side of things, when we're creating opportunities, we're, we're creating adjustments that everybody else wants to see. But maybe we don't because it's going to be incumbent upon us to go get the resources. Whereas on the defensive side of things, when we're preventing preventing obstacles, ops, not ops, we have to make tough decisions to sometimes take things away. And just to wrap up that story, we had a new, we have a brand new coach that this is her first summer. And because I allowed those other teams to travel, she also wanted to travel. And so I'm sorry, not travel, but stay overnight. So we allowed that. And I quickly remembered why we don't allow that, because it was an absolute debacle. I mean, we're still getting calls about it. And that's a mistake that's on me, because I should have made the adjustment to say, no, 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 even though these other teams are allowed to do this, it's because they've earned this right. The coach didn't know what she didn't know. You understand? Like, I am, it's just like our kids. We adjust times to make them go to bed or make them wake up or make them do their homework or make them train or work out or what have you. And it's through that adjustment that it's going to prevent obstacles from coming their way. Now, all of a sudden in this particular program, we've got a bunch of obstacles that we have to deal with that are going to keep us from just simply going out there and performing our very best. Right. So that's on me. So that's one way you can um, prevent obstacles through your adjustments. Last thing I want to tell you is you can activate. You can use activation in order to prevent obstacles. How? And it's through systems. Activate your systems. And what that means is begin and be really vigilant about creating systems, creating, codifying language, um, create, writing down your processes, so that you can demonstrate diligent due diligence 
and you can demonstrate progress, right? So often as coaches, as athletic leaders, we get an idea and we go do it. There's a problem, we go solve it. But we rarely stop to write those things down in a way that is formulaic, a way that you see on the academic side of things, right? So when that administrator or that school board member or that parent that that really doesn't understand the nuances of sport comes and asks you a question, it's like, oh, we've always just done that. Like, I can't really explain that to you. Instead of saying, oh, here is a printout about our tryout policy. This is the reason why and this is the 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 process behind what we do when we do tryouts. There, it's very systematic, okay? Maybe it's um, student character. You know, I, I see all these schools from time to time that have uh, a litany of student character infractions. You know, maybe it's on the field, maybe it's off the field, what have you. But all of a sudden, everybody's looking to the athletic director to say, hey, what have you, what are you doing? Okay. And if you don't have anything, hey, we've done this program, we we participated in uh, you know, the 3D program, or we've had these speakers come in. Well, all of a sudden, that shows that you've been doing some due diligence in that area. No, it's not perfect. And, and even taking this from a court of law perspective, if you're looking at harassment or you're looking at um, let's say an injury due to mal malfunctioning equipment. Well, if you have um, facility check logs that are that have been written down, that tells the judge or the neutral arbiter that this is not a um, this is not a scenario where an egregious uh, infraction. This is just a, a one-off. Okay, they're gonna they're gonna use it as a mitigating circumstance. If you have um, maybe handbooks or different things that where you've codified language that says our district does not stand for harassment, or maybe you've had a training against harassment. When you write those things down and have proof of them, all of a sudden that's mitigating circumstances. This could go for student character. This could go in the case of NCA eligibility. We actually had a student come back this year, this summer and say, uh, hey, I'm not eligible for, I got a, a, a college scholarship and I'm I'm not eligible because I didn't take the right courses. Well, we look back in his file and every year he and his, his guardian had signed a, a, an MOU, which stated these are the courses you have to take in order to be NCAA eligible, right? And so that provided our due diligence. The other area is NIL. If, if anybody attended the Oklahoma Athletic Directors Conference, this year, uh, there was a lot of great information on NIL, and I really believe that we're, we are going to be responsible for teaching the, the nuances of NIL to our student athletes. So if, you know, knock on wood, anybody runs into the situation in which a coach or a kid has to be suspended due to NIL infractions, well, you're going to be responsible for people are going to look to you and say, what, what did you teach them? What have you, what are you what type of information are you providing? So when I say activate, as far as playing defense, I mean, activate your systems, put things in place that are going to protect your coaches and your kids from obstacles that aren't just going to allow them to go play the game that they love and practice and get better and focus on making people 
making our kids better people and better players, right? These are all things that prevent that and, and make it harder, okay? And, and cause us to have to suspend and terminate and do all these things that we really shouldn't be doing, right? So that's it for today, guys. As always, I want to encourage you to go out and lead your very best. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the show today. To book me for events, answer any questions, or get a copy of our 10 by 10, the steps to take your purpose and program to the next level, email me at jlpengages at gmail.com. Share the show with a friend or colleague, and don't be lazy. Leave us a rating. Whatever you do, remember to go out and lead your best. Thanks for listening.